0: Prosperity, and I'm being a little provocative with that title, coming out and declaring that God has a call to prosperity. But when I'm, by the time I'm finished sharing, you're going to you're going to have a good, healthy, praise the Lord, understanding of uh, what the call to prosperity really is. So, if you're ready, First Kings seventeen and eight. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, listen to this, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Let's pause for a moment. From this moment on in my message that I'm preaching this morning, I want you to put yourself in the position of the widow. In this story, that's who you are. You're you're not Elijah, you're the widow. And the first thing I want you to do is imagine as this narrative is being given, He says, I have commanded a widow in Zarephath to feed you during this time of famine. So as you are the widow, you're hearing this narrative. You don't have to answer right now, but do you think that you know that God has commanded you to feed Elijah? It's a question. Just just ponder it in your mind. Do you think she knows that God had commanded her to feed Elijah? Now let's go on. So he arose and went to Serapheth, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a woman was there gathering sticks. And she call, he called to her and he said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And she answered and said to him, uh, was, uh, uh, as, um, and as she was going to bring it, excuse me, and as she was going to bring the water, he called to her again and said, um... "'Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand.'" And she said, "'As the Lord your God lives, "'I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar "'and a little oil in a jug. "'And now I am gathering a couple of sticks "'that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son "'that we may eat it and die of starvation.'" And Elijah then said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first. Everyone say, but first. But first, make me a little cake from it and bring it to me. And then afterwards, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The jar of flour will not be spent, and the jug of oil will not empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me talk to you first for a few minutes about the call to ministry or to service which all of us are called to. I may have a unique calling to ministry, but all of us have a calling as Christians to the ministry, the service through Jesus Christ to the world. Now, God's call to prosperity, because that's what we're preaching about this morning, always comes as a call to service or to ministry. It's usually presented as a divine opportunity for sacrificial obedience. Think of the widow. You're the widow. He came. He said, well, all right, but before you make that little go- donut, go make me one and bring it to me. And that was, would have been great sacrifice since all she had was enough to make a little bit. So that call to prosperity presents itself as a call to service or a call to ministry. And it's usually presented as a divine opportunity to sacrifice in obedience, but it's never offered, now listen, it's never offered as a call to prosperity. There's no such thing as the call to prosperity. There is no calling to prosperity. There is a calling to ministry. There's a calling to service. And as you're going to see in this story, in the process of serving and being obedient to the call to serve and to help and sustain others, prosperity comes. Hallelujah. So in the kingdom of God, prosperity is not a purpose. Prosperity is never a goal in the kingdom of God. It's merely a result. It's a blessing. But it's not the goal. She was not called to be prosperous, but she became prosperous when she obeyed the call to serve. Can you see that? So the widow of Zarephath, we're still talking about the call to minister, the call to serve. serve. The widow of Zarephath was called by God into service. And the elements of her calling are typical of God's calling on your life and on mine. Let me share with you three of those elements. They were typical of her calling and they're typical of ours. Number one, she's called to be God's vessel to serve and to sustain another. In her case, it was Elijah. But God has called you and I to serve and to sustain others. That's our calling. He's asking you and I to go forth and to be responsible through Him to sustain other people and to serve other people. Now, it probably seems evident to you how that works in my life, But I I hope it's evident to you how it works in your life. In your life, God has called you to serve and to sustain others. That was true of the widow of Zarephath, and it's true of you. The second element to her calling that is true of her and true of you is that the call is to provide service for which she has absolutely no resource God called her to give something she had absolutely no ability to give. She was called to not just give him a cake, a donut, a piece of bread. She was called to do what? Someone quickly help me. Sustain. That's the word I read. I have called a widow, a woman in Zarephath to sustain you. That means, You know what sustain is? How many of you have children? Did you leave them in the hospital? Just say, now, nurse, I'm going to come back whenever I want to hug them and kiss them, but I expect you to take good care of my my children. I'll be back from time to time. When you have children, what do you do? You sustain them for many years, sometimes more years than you plan to. It It is the 21st century. So, She was called to sustain him. Did she have the ability to do it? No. No. She had no ability to do it, but God commanded her to do it anyway. Here's the third element to her calling that's also typical of your calling. Obedience to her call to service would result in prosperity for the served and the server. Obedience to the call to serve would result would result in prosperity for the served and the server, both. Both she and Elijah were sustained for the whole rest of that famine period. Now, two weeks ago I shared with you about the Joseph and the story of Joseph, how that he is a pattern of, of biblical success. And I pointed out partway through that message the irony, how ironic his life was. So I want you to consider Joseph for just a moment. And uh, I want you to consider how that, that God has called us to lead an ironic life. She call, he calls this widow. So ironically, dying of starvation, to be willing to give and share her last dying meal with the prophet. So here's the irony. In the world system, and I want you to listen carefully to these words because they're chosen deliberately. In the world's system, providing for need, you pour prosperity into poverty. How many of you see the commercials on TV? See the starving children? Why are they doing that? They're trying to get prosperity to pour prosperity into poverty. Because in the world, that's how you respond to need. You provide need. i got to go out and get a job. Oop, this job isn't doing it. I need to get a second job. You know what? You're going to need to get a job. We all need three jobs in this household to pay the mortgage and put food on the table. Why is that? Because in the world, you respond to providing need by pouring prosperity into poverty. Are you listening to me? That's why we're always looking for provision. We're always looking for the prosperity to pour into the poverty. The world's system of providing need is based on pouring abundance into lack. My lack will be taken care of when I get abundance to pour into the lack. Now, is there anything that sounds unreasonable about that? Why that sounds just instinctive, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds just downright clear, normal thinking. However, but God. Everyone say, but God. God. But God. With God. In the kingdom of God, it's different. Because God doesn't pour prosperity into poverty. God doesn't pour abundance into lack. God draws prosperity out of poverty. God draws abundance out of lack. Hallelujah. Complete opposite of what the world does. God finds... Poverty, And he calls that poverty into obedience and service and then draws out of that poverty, out of that lack, he draws prosperity, brings water out of a stone. Hallelujah. Brings a net-breaking catch of fish out of an empty lake. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Brings wine out of a bucket of water. Can you say amen? Brings a world conquering church out of a handful of demoralized disciples. God brings something out of nothing. He doesn't go to the stockpiles and the reserves of abundance in the world in order to fill poverty. He brings poverty to Himself. Hallelujah and commands it to give, and then brings prosperity out of that poverty. Hallelujah. Brings abundance out of that lack. Stop sitting around and waiting for everybody who's got more than you to see you, recognize you, for your chances and opportunities to uh, present themselves. You come to God and say, I'm the widow in Zarephath. What's your command? Hallelujah. God's going to pull the prosperity you need out of you. He's going to pull the abundance out of your need. Somebody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In each instance, the catch of fish in the lake, water out of wine, the world conquering church out of a handful of scared disciples. In each instance, God commanded the people in those situations against their better instincts to do something that they could not possibly achieve results from. <laughs> God's ironic, let me tell you, because God can afford to be ironic. 1 Corinthians one twenty six and 27, listen carefully to what the Apostle Paul said about you. Think about the circumstances of your call, brothers and sisters. Not many were wise by human standard. Not many were powerful. Not many were born to a privileged position. But God chose what the world thinks foolish to shame the wise. And God chose what the world thinks weak to shame the strong. God chose the ironic. What is low and despised in the world. What is regarded as nothing. To set aside what is regarded as something. Now I mentioned Joseph. Think of the irony we shared two weeks ago of his call. How that in Genesis 39, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, made a slave and a prisoner, but the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. How ironic. God is a God of irony who takes a man 99 years old, Hallelujah. And his 90-year-old wife Barron's never had a child and says, I'm going to pull out of your loins. Not just a nation, but a nation of nations. More numerous than the stars in the sky. And he changed his name from Exalted Father to Father of a Multitude. Notice the irony. Hallelujah. He brings abundance out of poverty. He doesn't go over here to abundance. He doesn't need that abundance. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Lord. Ecclesiastes 9.11. There's your 9.11 right here. Listen to this. Ecclesiastes 9.11 says, I have observed, now this is Solomon, who at this point is a backslidden man of God. Totally backslidden. He's, He's allowed himself to get taken down into sin. And wisest man in the world, and he's allowed himself to be separated from the source of his wisdom, but he still sees things. And he says, I see something here. And he says in uh, uh, chapter 9, 11 in Ecclesiastes, I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race, and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy and those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It is all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. You see, had he been connected with God, he would have said, it's all decided by God. But the last part of what he said is absolutely right. It's being in the right place at the right time. See, God can put you in the right place at the right time. The fastest don't always win the race. And the educated with all the PhD and all that after the name don't always lead the prosperous lives. Why? Because it's being in the right place at the right time. And this is especially true of the kingdom of God. If you lack education, if you're not the fastest, if you're slowing down, you're not the strongest, if you're always near the end of the line and not in the front of the line. Remember, Jesus said, the last shall be first. See, in the kingdom of God, God specializes in the irony of success. Praise the Lord. But I want to break it down and share with you why and how God does that. In the kingdom of God, where success does not belong to the qualified, but to the obedient. Hallelujah. God always positions people in the right place at the right time by drawing them into a call to obedience. The widow of Zarephath was positioned in the right place at the right time. She thought she was about to die. She didn't realize, you're not about to die. You're about to prosper and provide prosperity for God's servant. Can you say amen? So let me say to you, do not despise Your call to irony. It may be uncomfortable. It may be foolish. You may not like the fact that the world never really sees your success. They always see you as the irony of it all. They see you as the person of lack or of little. You're always underestimated rather than overestimated. God deliberately does that. He chooses the foolish to confound the wise. If you are the kind of person that likes seeing God get the glory then do not despise the irony. Don't despise being ironic. Don't lust after the acclaims of the world. Don't lust after the recognition of people. Because if you will not lust after the recognition and acknowledgement of people, but rather take upon yourself the command of the Lord to be a servant, you will see Jesus recognized. You'll see Jesus exalted, Jesus lifted up. Let me tell you that the first will be last. Those that in this life rush ahead to have the acclaims of men will be standing empty and lost on the last day. And on the judgment day, they will not have eternity. Don't be among them. Don't be with them. Be with the widow of Zarephath who simply let the Lord command her. Let me share with you this thought. Your prosperity lies within God's command to enter into the ministry of service. Your prosperity rests in God's command. A starving, dying widow was commanded to sustain God's servant. One of the first things I notice is that the Lord doesn't let the poor off the hook. Hello, church. See, in the world... We let the poor have everything free. They're entitled. They don't have to do anything. We just give, give, give to them. And have you ever noticed that oftentimes the poor in the world, you can't pour enough entitlement. They just stay poor. That's not always the case, but it oftentimes is. You see, entitlement does not heal anybody. In God, the poor are never let off the hook. When He wants somebody to do a work, He goes and gets those that are dying in poverty. When He needs somebody to give, He goes find somebody has nothing. Because God pulls abundance out of need. pulls prosperity out of poverty. Get ready to shout. Your shouting moment's coming. The widow of Zarephath was commanded to give and not wait until she could afford it. Not wait until she was in a position to give. Or until her cup was full and she had a little extra in the saucer that somebody could drink out of. The poor are not exempt from giving. And let me tell you, having been in the ministry for many, many years and being around all kinds of churches, I can tell you this. I've been in a lot of poor churches, a lot of inner city churches, poverty, and amazed at the level of giving. Watching poor Christians that had, that had nothing, watch them give, build buildings, and send missionaries around the world. This church itself is a great testament, an example to that fact. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Praise the, Lord. the widow of Zarephath was called to give the very thing that she lacked and de- desperately needed the most. He asked her to give what she was most desperately in need of. What do you need the most? Is it financial? Is it mental? Do you have no time to do the things that are important? You're just completely run ragged. The thing that you need the most, God's probably going to call you to give that. Out of your need you will give. The Zarephath widow, she gave out of the things she needed for herself, the very most. Somebody say, Amen, if you understand where well, we're going with this thing, hallelujah. Why? Told you, get ready to shout. Why? Why does God call you to give out of what you need the most? Because that's how her poverty was broken. That's how God broke the spirit of poverty, by her fearlessly obeying the call of God to give what she needed the most for herself and when she gave out of obedience poverty was broken and provision came forth out of the midst of her can you say amen, amen. you see in god poverty and need are not broken by provision they're broken by obedience to god amen. let me say it again in jesus you don't break poverty with provision with prosperity. You break poverty with obedience to God. That's what breaks poverty. And listen, we all know the stories of, uh, of uh, people that have won the lottery and got a million dollars a year later. They're back in the same boat they were in to begin with. You can't break poverty with abundance. You break it with obedience to God. Somebody say amen. God's command. But the Bible says God commanded the widow to sustain the prophet. Commanded her to sustain the prophet. But she had no idea she was commanded to sustain the prophet. He just walks up to her and says, can I get a drink? So while she's walking to get a drink, he says, "Um, and bring me a little donut, if you will, in your hand. I noticed that, in your hand. He didn't ask for a lot, just in your hand. But God knew that all she had fit in the palm of her hand. And so she said, honestly, man of God, preacher, reverend, um, I got what I got in my hand is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil right here. I'm going to make myself a little loaf of bread. My son and I aren't going to eat it. Then we're going to die of starvation. It's the end of the line for us. He said, lady, don't fear. Go and make me a cake and bring it to me and feed me. First, first, everyone say first. Go do it. Feed me first, and then you and your son, you're not going to eat just today, but you're going to eat every day until this, this uh, you and I and your son, we're going to eat until this famine is past. Hallelujah. That was the word of the Lord. Can you say Amen. So God gave her a command to sustain the prophet. The command to serve had contained in it Let me say it like this. The command to give. He commanded her to give. The command to give had within it the command to receive. God never commands to give without there being inserted in it a command for the resources to be released upon you to receive. It's all giving and receiving with God, not just giving, giving, giving. Not just receiving, receiving. And receiving is always preceded by giving. Now, lest you think we're talking about just money today, it's easy to talk about money because it's quantitative. You can put your hand on it. Money comes, money goes. But we're talking about time, energy. I said before, you might, you might be impoverished for time. And God's going to call you to put more time to sacrifice and give more time to suffer. but we're not talking about you just running around giving where you think people need have needs. We're talking about you responding to the command of the Lord. God always makes clear to you this was a command given by the prophet to the widow of Zarephath. So when God commands you to give your time, give your finance, give of your emotions, give you know sometimes people say I can't be you know I love I love the world that just can't take people. And I love God, but I just can't stand His, I just can't stand Christians. And the Lord says, yeah, well, guess what? I am commanding you to go serve your church and to serve. You might say, you know, I, I love Jesus. I love Christians, but, you know, not so much sinners. I just, I, I don't know, what, I never know what to say around them. I feel so uncomfortable. But the Lord may speak to you and say, I'm calling you to go and make yourself available and do this. And you think, I have no resources. I have no inclination. i got no instincts. Man, i got no rap. i got no talk. I don't even know how to talk to sinners. I just look foolish when I'm among them. God said, I didn't call you to go entertain them. I called you to sustain them. That's even worse. What am I going to sustain sinners with? You got me. Obey me. I'm going to pull abundance, prosperity out of your poverty. You see, that's how your poverty's broken, by obeying what the Lord tells you to do. Somebody say glory to God. Hallelujah. I love this message if nobody else does. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, obeying the command to give releases the command to receive. And let me ask this question, it's kind of already sort of presented itself, why does the call to serve come when your need is the greatest and your resources are the least? Why is that? You would think that God, who created the universe and keeps everything together, could see now is not the time. My good friend Richie Clark was preaching many years ago on the green in New Haven, Connecticut during a rock concert. On, out on a Saturday afternoon, there were people sitting on blankets all over listening to the bands, and he had tracks witnessing about Jesus Christ, and he walked up to a guy sitting there with two girls, one on one side, one on the other, in a brown bag like he had lunch with him, sitting in his lap, and he said, Jesus loves you, and he put a track out in front of the guy, the guy had his hands in his bag, and Richie looked down, and he could see it wasn't lunch, it weren't bologna sandwiches, it was a... There was a bag of marijuana, and he was rolling up a doobie. Hallelujah. And so, Richie said, Jesus loves you, and handed him a track. And the guy looked up at him, and then he looked to the left and looked at the girl on his left side. Then he looked to the right and looked at the girl on the right side. Looked back up at Richie. He looked down on the bag at the, marijuana, at the joint he had in his hand. He looked at Richie and said, not now, man. Like I said, timing's everything. Hallelujah. (laughs) Why, when God calls you to give, is it always when now is not the time? It's when your need is the greatest and your resources are the least. Why doesn't God call you to do great things when you've got great time on your hands and a great pile of money and a a great amount of uh, uh, emotional zeal, and you're wanting to do something for God. Why does He call you when you can't get yourself out of bed? And you don't want to see anybody. You just want to pull the shade and forget it. Why? When you're at the point of need, does the Lord come knocking? I have commanded you to sustain this ministry. Why is that? First, go make me a little cake and bring it to me. Why does God do that? It's because God provides through the principle of blessing, not by earning. He doesn't need you to earn it. He doesn't need your abundance. (laughs) Let me talk to you about the principle of blessing, and I'm going to close with this idea. Why does God come when you're in this point of your greatest need? and ask you to be the source of prosperity to somebody else? Why does He ask you to sustain others that are in need when you are in worse need than they're in? Because of the principle of blessing in the kingdom of God. Everyone say blessing. Let me say this to you. This is a phrase I want you to learn. I didn't read this in a book. I didn't hear this someone. This just This just floated down out of heaven into my little brain. Every once in a while a little thought comes from God just sits right on my brain. Here's this phrase I want to give you. Blessing. The blessing of God in the kingdom of God. Blessing is reproductive. Let me say it again. Blessing is reproductive. When God created all the animals, it says they all produced after their kind. Let me say it again. It was the the functioning principle of the universe of creation itself. Everything recreates after its kind. Do you understand? Dogs don't make mice. (laughs) Fish don't make humans. Praise the Lord. So, blessing is reproductive. Blessing is not magic. It's based on the principle of sowing and reaping. You sow it, it reproduces. Sowing or blessing is reproductive. Listen, 1 Peter 3, 9, if you're taking notes, says very simply, bless others because you were called to inherit a blessing. The widow of Zarephath was called to become prosperous. But the Lord didn't show up with a bunch of prosperity. He showed up with a command to give. And once she gave, the prosperity came. Blessing is reproductive. He had to get her to bless so that she could inherit her blessing. God has an inheritance for you. I said God has set aside and ordained an inheritance for you. Health and strength and joy and overcoming. Hallelujah. They're all yours in Jesus. How is that blessing going to come to you? Blessing is reproductive. You sow it, it grows up and reproduces. Somebody say praise the Lord. Bless others, Peter says. Bless others because you were called to inherit a blessing. Why should I bless others? Because I was called to inherit a blessing. Why should I be a blessing to others? Especially when they're not nice to me. Why should I bless them when they curse me? Well, I don't do it because they deserve it. I do it because I am called to inherit a blessing. I want my blessing to come to me. And the only way in God's universe that I can get it is spread some blessing. See, this is the way God the great sower and reaper, the great father of love, the great father of life has ordained that life should go. That if you give love, you'll receive it. If you give grace, you'll receive it. Sow a blessing, receive a blessing. Can you say amen? Well, it's time to bring this message to a close. I asked you if you were going to be ready to shout hallelujah. Let me just sum this up and say to you, the entire Christian life and every ministry in life operates as a call to bless through giving and serving. Let me say that again. I don't know what you think God's called you to do, but let me tell you that the essence of every single call of God whether it's the call to be a mother, the call to greet people at the door of church, the call to go out and uh, lead people to Jesus, the call to lay hands on the sick, the call of any nature of any kind. All Christian life operates as a call to sustain others, a call to give, a call to bless others. So never be surprised When God calls you to serve and to give what you yourself need the most, never be surprised at the irony when you're least qualified and unready to give and have no resource. Why? We sometimes think, and here's the shouting part of the message. Hallelujah. We think when God comes to us and we're going to make our last little piece of bread, we've given up. Frankly, we've just said, you know, I've seen too many famines, and I believe this is the one that's going to kill me. So I'm just going to have my last little meal, curl up in bed. Me and my son, we're going to eat it, and we're going to die. I'm all alone. This is the end. And then God comes and says, "I want you to give. I want you to go back and serve in Sunday school again. I want you to. Uh, I want you to go out and uh, and love on these people. Or I want you to serve. I want you to sow. And." quite frankly, you have nothing to give and nothing to sow. When that happens, you know what we think? We think, God is testing me. Yes, this is what we all think. God is testing me. This is a test. He's trying to break me. He is trying to see if I'm willing to do it. This is the Lord testing. Well, let me correct you god ain't testing you god's blessing you come on let me say it again god's not testing you god is blessing you when he calls you to sustain others he's not te- it's not a test it's a bless he's trying to bless you he's trying to bring abundance out of you he's trying to bring provision out of you can you say amen I know that there's often times when we find ourselves in a place where we say, I've given until I got no more to give. Why is the well still dry and the devil is sitting on top of you? Because giving out of our time, giving out of our resources, giving out of our money, is not, you don't purchase the right to be depressed When you give, you're not purchasing the right to stop praising God until the showers come. Are you listening? Human reason says when it's that bad, you're not going to be singing any songs. You're not going to be running around clicking up your heels singing, He set me free, oh, He set me free. Broken the bonds of prison for me. I'm glory bound by Jesus to see you. Glory to God, He set me free. No, you're not going to run around and sing any of those songs. You're going to sit there and say, I've given everything. This ain't working. And I don't have to praise the Lord if I don't want to. Are you listening to me? And you sit there and you wonder, why have I given? And it hasn't come back. Because the highest form of giving is to give to the Lord glory and honor out of our mouth. The devil is always trying to shut the flow of praise up. Everything he does when he tightens the screws on your life, he's turning you into an intellectual. You stop praising, you start analyzing. You get deep. You know what I'm talking about? You get deep. You're contemplating now, I'm thinking. That's because you're too bummed out to praise God. You're trying to figure it all out. That's when you need to start praising the Lord. Let someone else figure it out. That big ball, that knot that is your life, you're not going to unravel it. There is no beginning and end. There's no answer at that point. What you need to do is stand up and praise the Lord. You need to give Him glory. You need to let that living water flow out of you. Begin to praise Him. That breakthrough is on the way. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I said that breakthrough is on the way. I want you to stand this morning. Hallelujah. The call to prosperity is a call to bless others. The call to serve. Hallelujah. The call to sustain others. Don't be surprised. Praise the Lord because He doesn't pull abundance out of the abundance pile and pour it onto your emptiness. He pulls the abundance out of your emptiness. Why? Because He can do it. Hallelujah. He's the abundant one. And He is the Lord my God in the midst of me. And He is mighty. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Is He the Lord your God in the midst of you? Is He the Lord your salvation? Is He the Lord your healer? Is He the Lord your deliverer? Is He your El Shaddai? Is He more than enough? Is He carrying you through? Glory to God, you're an overcomer, not an undergoer. Praise the Lord. Come on, give God some praise this morning. Hallelujah! Well, I want you to lift up your hands for the blessing. Praise, you, Jesus. Praise the Lord! Someone warned the devil we're about to let you out. Hallelujah! <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord! Lord, I just want to thank you for all these people today. Before I speak your blessing over them, I I thank you for everything you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you will do. To you belongs the glory. Hallelujah. Let us live as an unfurled flag and an anthem of grace. Shine through us, Jesus. Now may the Lord, with His countenance of light and of redemption, burst forth on the horizon of your soul. May you receive it and overflow with joy today. May every corner of your life where resistance to His grace has been lurking, be driven out and flee from you. May every pain flee and may the song of the joy and His redemption be found upon your lips. May you go forth with joy and be led forth with peace because the mountains and the hills are going to break forth before you. Hallelujah. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.